You're listening to Sermons at FCC Moorhead, a podcast of sermons preached at First Christian Church in Moorhead, Kentucky. A congregation in the Christian Church Disciples of Christ tradition, we are a faith community seeking to live out Christ's call of hospitality and shalom. I'm Reverend Nancy Galler, minister at FCC, and each week we'll post the latest sermon preached from our pulpit. Most weeks you'll hear my voice, but from time to time you'll find guest preachers on this podcast too. Thanks for listening. Tis the season for Christmas music, isn't it? Some radio stations kick in the day after Halloween, I think, with all the Christmas all the time. And now that music streaming apps are everywhere, it's easier than ever before to listen to Christmas music all year long, whenever you want, and you don't have to make an excuse to anyone. Musicians have been practicing Christmas music since at least October, and Christmas concerts have been filling up calendars. I just attended a lovely one last night with Dr. Scott singing with the Lexington Singers and the Lexington Philharmonic. Sounds of snow falling are in the air and chestnuts are roasting on an open fire somewhere. I have mostly, however, stayed away, stayed away from the Christmas music on my own playlist and instead been listening to Advent playlists. Anybody have an Advent playlist on their Spotify? Maybe it's just ministers. It's not really a collection of hymns that we sing during worship, but they're more like songs that I listen to as I sketch out worship liturgies for the season. So you don't get to hear any Bing Crosby on my playlist, or even Mariah Carey, none of that. My Advent list begins with, It's the End of the World as We Know It by R.E.M., which probably dates me, I know, but it never fails to get me in the mood for the apocalyptic tenor of Advent lectionary reading. There's some Johnny Cash in the mix with The Man Comes Around, and there's a little bit of Marvin Gaye singing What's Going On, which always helps focus my mind during this time of year. Well, There is one Christmas song on my Advent list, and I added it this year because I really needed it. As the news from Gaza and Israel kept breaking my heart each day, I added John Lennon and Yoko Ono's Happy Christmas, War is Over, which has been getting a lot of play in my house lately. Advent tunes are starkly different from Christmas songs and carols. Advent, you see, draws deep from the well of human pain. And it speaks of hopes that are delayed, of fears and struggles that loom large over us. Christmas carols are dotted with angels and shepherds and starlight and glorious. But not Advent songs. 
The author of Luke's Gospel sets the stage for our nativity story with an Advent song, actually with two. Last week we heard a bit of the old priest Zachariah's song after the birth of his son John. Having been silenced by the angel Gabriel bringing the news of his wife's pregnancy, when he finally speaks, Zachariah breaks out into song. And his song begins with a declaration of God's favor upon the people. He sings, Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel. He came and set his people free. His song is known by the Latin word benedictus. The first word of his song, blessed. And if you notice in Zechariah's song, he sings of the saving of the people in the past tense. It's something which has already occurred. It's not in some far distant future. It is done. And then the end of his song echoes with hope that is rooted in a profound trust in God. I like how Eugene Peterson puts it. Through the heartfelt mercies of our God, God's sunrise will break in upon us. Shining on those in the darkness, those sitting in the shadow of death, then showing us the way, one foot at a time, down the path of peace. In these days, when the ways that make for peace seem so hard to see, when the news is filled with heartless stories of revenge and horror and Israel and Palestine with murder and kidnapping, with indiscriminate bombings, with thousands of people and children dead. And then just yesterday, the horrific news from the Holy Family Church in Gaza City that a mother and daughter were killed by sniper fire in the church complex as they walked to the sisters' convent on the church grounds. A mission for disabled individuals run by the sisters of Mother Teresa. That very mission hit by tank fire earlier that same day. And then when anti-Semitism and acts of violence against Palestinians have spread to our own shores too, it's that rendering of show us the way one foot at a time down the path of peace. Because that's just about as much hope as I can muster these days. This week we hear the first song in Luke's telling of the story, the Song of Mary, which is also known by its first words in Latin, Magnificat anima mea dominum, my soul magnifies the Lord. Or as I read this morning, I'm bursting with God news, I'm dancing the song of my Savior God. Mary's song has been woven into the liturgies and prayers of the church since at least the 6th century. They have been spoken or sung in evening prayers and vespers. Musicians throughout the centuries have set her words to music. Perhaps you've sung them yourself from Vivaldi to Bach, Mozart to Rudder. And Luke crafts the song that he puts on Mary's lips 
being influenced by the forms of early Jewish poetry. We hear in it echoes of Hannah's song from 1 Samuel as she sings after the birth of her son, Samuel. Mary's song is a woman's song. Hebrew scripture holds this long tradition of female singers all the way back to Miriam, sister of Moses, who leads the women to sing on the banks of the Red Sea after the Hebrew slaves' liberation from the Egyptians. And then there's Deborah who sings, and Hannah, and Jael, and Judith. They all sang songs of salvation, songs of victory over the powerful. And so Mary's is one more song in a long line of music that expresses women's joy. And it is a foretelling of the gospel story yet to unfold. Think of it like the overture in an opera or a musical that's played at the beginning of the show before the curtain rises that lays out all the themes that will be revisited in the musical, tunes that we, the audience, will notice as the story unfolds. Mary prophetically announces that there will be an alternative rule of God that breaks into the world and topples the status quo, and that will define Jesus' ministry in Luke's gospel. Which makes it all the more amazing that Martin Luther, in his letter to Prince John Frederick, Duke of Saxony, which accompanied his brand new commentary on the Magnificat, suggested to the Duke, that it ought to be learned and kept in mind by all who would rule well and be helpful lords. Luther had written his commentary while in hiding at the Wartburg in 1522, already having been condemned as a notorious heretic. I want that title someday by the assembly of the Holy Roman Empire the year before. It's a bold move by Luther, isn't it? Any honest, straightforward reading of the Magnificat would bring terror to those in power. As Luther writes in his commentary, the mightier you are, the more must you fear. The lowlier you are, the more must you take comfort. Here Mary speaks longer than any other woman in the New Testament. And Luke wants us to pause and to really listen to her, for she's a prophet, she's a preacher, and she's a dreamer. And she sings of a world that's turned upside down, rather turned right side up once again. Her words should stop the powerful in, the in their tracks as she sings, God bared his arm and showed his strength, scattered the bluffing braggarts, he knocked tyrants off their high horses, and the callous rich he left out in the cold. Perhaps you saw in the news this week reports that Mark Zuckerberg, the CEO of Meta, has been secretly constructing a 1,400-acre compound in Hawaii at a cost of over 
and I had to read it twice to make sure I got it right, $270 million. And plans include a 5,000 square foot underground shelter with its own energy and food supplies, which is an action that reflects an inordinate amount of both hubris and fear, doesn't it? In Mary's song, the size of your portfolio won't save you. The strength of your sheltered, secluded compound on an island will not protect you because God is turning the tables on the powerful and the rich will not be spared. And yet all the while, Mary sings that God shows favor on the poor. Lifting up the lowly and filling the hunger with good things, or as the message puts it, God pulled victims out of the mud and the starving poor sat down to a banquet. In Houston, the charity group Food Not Bombs has been serving meals to 100 to 150 residents without housing outside of the city's public library for 15 years. They pass out vegetarian meals after the library closes about four nights a week. This year, they began receiving citations from city police for breaking a 2012 city ordinance which prohibits the giving of food to five or more people without permission from the property owner. The citation may include a fine of up to $2,000 each for giving out food in America. Houston is not alone in criminalizing feeding people. In March 2022, a 78-year-old woman, Norma Thornton, was arrested in Bullhead City, Arizona for sharing food in a public park. The year before, the city passed an ordinance forbidding the sharing of prepared food with strangers in city-owned spaces. And she's chosen to file a civil rights complaint against the city, arguing in part that none of these people are strangers. There was recently a small win against such laws. Last year, Fort Lauderdale, Florida, lost a federal lawsuit brought about by a similar ban on feeding people in public. And last week, a court decided the city owed $640,000 in attorney's fees to Food Not Bombs, the nonprofit that challenged the ordinance. Just think of it, $640,000. How much in supportive services and food to individuals experiencing homelessness could that have provided? In a world where it's illegal to feed the hungry in public, Mary's song is a word of warning for those in places of power. Know this, Mary sings, God is on the side of the poor. 
Mary's song is an introduction to Luke's gospel. We see the themes woven throughout Jesus' words and ministry. In his first sermon in Nazareth, when he reads from the prophet, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor, sent me to proclaim release to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. For me, as a young college student, leaving a fundamentalist, evangelist, evangelical upbringing and trying to forge together a faith which was authentic and true to what I knew to be about God, it was Jesus' words there. And Mary's song in the Magnificat that would not let me go. You see, when we join in Mary's song, we who have power, we who live in security, choose to stand with those on the fringes of society. Those for whom life is difficult. For those for whom the system is often rigged against. For those who are heavy burdened, Mary's song brings words of comfort. She sings, God has looked with favor upon me. God took one good look at me, she sings. Which tells us that God has seen her. Mary. The young girl with no connections to power or privilege, God sees her and God blesses her. And then she extends that good news for her to the poor, that God sees them with compassion and mercy too, just like God had seen her. That the vulnerable now have a champion. That the hungry will find a banquet prepared. That the brokenhearted will be comforted. There is much in our world which can lead us to despair. To fear what the future may hold. In our individual stories, our pain, and in our world too. I often turn to the wonderful poet Mary Oliver. And in her poem, I Worried, she gives voice to simple anxieties. She writes, I worried a lot. Will the garden grow? Will the rivers flow in the right direction? Will the earth turn as it, will as it was taught? And if not, how shall I correct it? Was I right? Was I wrong? Will I be forgiven? Can I do better? Will I ever be able to sing? Even the sparrows can do it, and I am, well, hopeless. Is my eyesight fading, or am I just imagining it? Am I going to get rheumatism, lockjaw, dementia? Finally, I saw that worrying had come to nothing, and I gave it up. And I took my old body and went out into the morning and sang. The truth is Mary's song is our song if we choose it. 
is a song of defiance. A song sung confident of God's realm of peace breaking into a world that's defined by power and greed, a world which sees little value in Mary but is always captivated by the next shiny thing. Her melody is an ancient one sung by generations before us, a song which may, yes, be drowned out by stronger voices, but a song which will never, ever be silent. The Magnificat is our song of faith, my friends. It is our anthem of protest and hope. It is a glorious song of old, but it is a song that is always being made new for each generation. So let us, like Mary, be bursting with God news. And let us, let us sing. Thanks be to God. Thanks for listening. We hope you found inspiration today. To learn more about our congregation, you can like us on Facebook or follow us on Instagram and Twitter. Until next time, be well, be kind, and always be the church where you are.